Welcome to this week's message from a new church. For more information, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit our website, newchurch.nz. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy this message. Let's get started. And um, so often we, we almost forget that there is a whole group of people that watch on Sundays and watch after um, this has been recorded. So for everyone that's watching the live stream live or afterwards, you thank you so much for tuning in. And I do pray uh, that God will bless um, the message to you and your heart this morning. You're awesome. Come and meet us in person if you can. That's even better. You get a free coffee. Um, all right. This morning, I am real excited because we are wrapping up, the, I'm not excited that we're wrapping up the prayer series, but I'm excited that we're talking about prayer again, and this is the grand finale. So over the last sort of couple of months, we've been sharing, interspersed with other messages, all about prayer, and it's been absolutely amazing, if I do say so myself, not just because I've preached it, but I just know it's good stuff because it comes from the Word of God. Um, but this morning, we're wrapping it all up, and we're specifically looking at group prayer, or community prayer. So let's just jump right into it at Acts 2 verse 42. And it's just a window into how the early church lived. So it says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. So there's sort of four things that the early church, uh, which is Everybody that called themselves believers of Jesus um, were devoted to. So teaching, they loved the word of God. To fellowship, they loved coming together in community. Sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper. So they loved to eat. Um, obviously, that's awesome. Um, as, as believers, we should love to eat, especially um, partaking in the Lord's Supper, which is communing with God and getting Jesus remaining at the, at the center of our lives. And then, and to prayer, it says, so prayer, we understand, is one of the four things that the early church devoted themselves to. And, and what was the result of that? Going down to verse 47, it says, Each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So the early church simply just, they were a devoted church. And because they were devoted, God just added. It wasn't like they strove. Is that a, is that a word? Like strived? Strove um, to 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 do like to grow the church. It just happened exponentially on a daily basis because they were a devoted, committed people. So let's have a look at that word devoted, um, proskateria, something like that in the Greek, and it means these things: to give or apply one's time, attention, or self entirely to a particular activity, pursuit, cause, or person. Um, so to apply, like to give ourselves, and, and so often, like we think devotion equals duty. It's like, oh, it's, I gotta, gotta do my duty, you know. I gotta go to this thing. I gotta, gotta go to this prayer meeting. I gotta, gotta serve at church on this Sunday, and it's just, it's my duty. And I know it's a good thing to, 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 to live and serve out of duty, but it's just my duty. Devotion actually isn't duty. It, it means a couple of things when you break that word um, apart in the original meaning in the, uh, the, the, the original translation. It's commitment plus affection. Which is pretty awesome when you think about it. Devotion equals commitment plus affection. So yes, we do commit to certain things, but it's not just commitment. There is affection there as well. And this is, this underpins all about prayer, I think, and all about our Christian walk. It's relationship with God. 
If we really are close and have a living relationship with Jesus, then there will be affection for Jesus in everything we do, uh, which means that there will be a grace upon when we serve and when we commit, uh, there will be affection with that and it won't be a difficult thing to maintain. Like you can, you can serve out of religion, uh, and that I guess is duty and that is hard work. Um, but you can, or you can serve out of knowing God and loving God and having affection towards God. And that's a complete different thing. Um, so that's what this word devotion was. They just went like, oh, you know, I've just got to do it and got to do my duty. It's like, no, they were committed and they were hardcore committed, but they had this affection towards God as well, which brought a supernatural component into it. So what's the motivation uh, for talking about group prayer, it really is simple. It's that we would, we would have a revelation of the power of praying together and that more of us in Renewed Church would, would pray more together. It's really that simple. Um, in our families, uh, with our spouses, with, in our, you know, the community, in our small groups, in our churches, that we would understand the power of group prayer because it is so powerful. I was talking to Christy this morning, um, out of all the messages in recent history that I can remember, the most spiritual warfare that I have felt, that we have felt, has been around this message. Which proves to me beyond any shadow of a doubt that the devil doesn't want us to pray together. Why is that? And I'll be answering that question a little bit later on. So going back to part one, um, why pray? There were four good points there because prayer is all about relationship because God's plans are dependent on our prayers. Like he reveals to us his will and he shows us and teaches us what to pray and we pray God's will back to him. We become co-partners in God's plans and purposes for planet earth. And that's such an incredible thing. Three Prayer done right is incredibly powerful. And four, prayer demonstrates our dependence on God. And I'll just add to that because those four points, I guess we can all use those and understand those by praying in our in our closets or at the meeting place or by ourselves or going around the loop. But why pray together? What is so special about praying together? You know, when Jesus taught in prayer right throughout the Gospels, they reckon about, or scholars reckon, 33 out of 37 times when we see teaching that Jesus taught on prayer was all about prayer in a community context. Like we call it corporate prayer, but like corporate to me sounds like business um, and like companies and hierarchy. So I prefer to call it like group prayer or community prayer, um, but maybe I'll just like corporate prayer because we've used that term so much it may just slip out. But 33 out of 37 times he taught on prayer it was, it was in, in relationship with other people praying together and a major emphasis in, is placed on um, community prayer right throughout the New Testament that the New Testament letters continue on this 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 theme of group Prayer. So why pray together? Number one, the early church was birthed out of a prayer meeting. Like we often think, well, we've got church and then there's like some group prayer that happens in church. The early church, everything we do, all the church in the whole world, right? It was birthed out of a prayer meeting. Like Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem and pray um, until you receive power from on high. The, the Holy Spirit came as a result of People gathering together to pray in a group, and the early church um, was birthed. Armin Geiswain, Geiswain says this, 
When Christ ascended into heaven, all he left behind was a prayer meeting. The early church didn't have a prayer meeting. The early church was the prayer meeting. In fact, in the early church, every Christian was a prayer meeting Christian. The early church was birthed out of a prayer meeting, number two, because the early church prayed. Um, and, and again, like I said before, the, the, the early church experienced exponential growth. They were devoted, commitment plus affection. And like, isn't it, could it be so simple as if we just did what the early church did, then we would have the results that the early church had? Maybe. I think probably. So let's just have a look at what the early church did, and I'll go through these pretty quick in the book of Acts. It's a window into the life of the early church. Acts 1.14, they all met together and were constantly united in prayer, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. Acts 3.1, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock Prayer service, Acts 12.5. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. Acts 12.12. When Peter realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. Acts 16.13. On the Sabbath, we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer. We sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. Acts 16.16. One day, we were going down to the place of Prayer. Prayer was a big deal to the early church. It was just a normal part of their life. I'm going to be using quite a few quotes of, of like the heavy hitters, the revivalists um, of, of yesteryear Christianity. Charles Spurgeon says this, Prayer meetings were the arteries of the early church. Through them, life-sustaining power was derived. The condition of the church may be very accurately gauged by its prayer meetings. So is the prayer meeting a grace-o-meter and from it we may judge of the amount of divine working among the people. If God is near a church, it will pray. If he is not there, one of the first tokens of his absence will be a slothfulness in prayer. Boom, roasted. Number three, something incredible happens when people pray together. Like, like there is power when we pray alone and we should do that when we commune with God but God releases a special grace when we pray together there is an an extra power that we can tap into and that's available to us every time we pray with another person and I think God has has made it that way because he just loves community he loves fellowship we can't live the Christian life alone and I base that um Conclusion on Matthew 18, verse 19 to 20. I tell you this, if two of you agree down here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together because they are mine, I am there among them. So we we know that prayer is powerful when we pray alone, but there is something so special and powerful when we pray pray when we grab at least one other person and we pray together. I can't explain it more than that, but I know it's the absolute truth and scripture backs it up. And my experience backs it up. When we pray with another person, at least another person, there is incredible power that is released. It it just, it it, it happens and it is so. Number four, corporate corporate prayer has always been the vehicle for revival. English preacher Sidlow Baxter, when he was 85 years of age, said, 
I've pastored only three churches in my more than 60 years of ministry. We had revival in every one. And not one of them came as a result of my preaching. They came as a result of the people entering into a covenant to pray until revival came, and it did come every time. Why pray together? The early church was birthed out of a prayer service because the early church prayed. Something incredible happens when people pray together, and corporate prayer has always been the vehicle for revival. And, and none of us can deny those those points, like we, we understand yet though those are right. So so then why why is there always a struggle to pray? Like why is one of the hardest services to get to and be excited about is the prayer meeting? Why is that usually the smallest ministry of of all the church? Why is it always mostly just older people that commit to group prayer? Why isn't it something that all of us understand? Like why the struggle for prayer? I'm glad you asked because I'm going to answer us. Because prayer is sometimes hard work. And we just don't like hard work. We, we just don't like it. Or well, I don't like hard work. I'm not speaking for you, but you can be honest with yourself. And I would probably understand that none of us really love hard work. Martin Luther says this, Prayer is the hardest work of all. A labor above all labors. Since he who prays must wage a mighty warfare, there is no greater work than praying. So it isn't going to be easy. And that's a, it's a big struggle for a lot of us because we love ease. Number two, because corporate prayer is repulsive to the carnal Christian. There's a few punches this morning. And I don't apologize for any of them because I think I need to hear them and we need to hear them. Because corporate prayer or community prayer is repulsive to the carnal Christian. What's a carnal Christian? A carnal Christian is a Christian that, that we, we love Jesus and we've given our life to Jesus, but there is a greater pull to the, and an attraction to the things of the world than to the things of God. So, so we are saved and we are going to heaven, but our heart is pretty much more attracted to the things of the world still than the things of God. Why the struggle? Because community prayer is repulsive to the carnal Christian, A.W. Tozer says, he must set his heart to conquer by prayer, and that will mean that he must first conquer his own flesh, for it is the flesh that hinders prayer always. Number three, why the struggle? Because we are too busy. But really, are we too busy? Like, I know there are legitimately some people, and they are too busy, and they are burning out, um, and they just haven't got any time for anything, but that's a small percentage if I am to be honest, most of us are busy, but we will make time for the things that are important to us. Like, I would have called myself a very busy person, but then we got a puppy, and like, man, we've got time to take the puppy to puppy classes and to, to puppy school and going for walks at the park. It's like, where did I find this time? Well, you just make time for the things that are important to you. So I actually don't think that we, we're too busy is a legitimate excuse. Because most of, uh, to most of us, some of us it is, but to most of us, we will make time for those things that are important to us. Fourthly, because many of us have a fear of praying out loud. And I want to share my testimony. I grew up in a cool church, but pretty much in, in kids' church and in youth, um, a lot of the time, um, you know, you had your chairs in a circle and like you had to go around and you had to pray. 
Um, and for someone who was incredibly shy and for incredibly insecure and just like introverted to the days like me, um, it was the most terrifying experience. So I'm going to have to pray out loud and people are going to, like I didn't, couldn't speak well anyway. And so the whole entire time I was absolutely petrified and I couldn't, didn't even know or realize about what people were praying. I was just trying to make up a prayer that sounded okay in my head um, so I could share it out loud and it wouldn't sound stupid. So I grew up with a fear of praying out loud and I still sort of struggle sometimes in prayer services because of that. Um, but he who the sun sets free is free indeed. And, and we, we dare not let the enemy use our past experiences and our bad experiences to hinder where he, or what he wants us to do in God. Because it really is not about how cool we sound when we pray at all. It's just our heart. So you could sound absolutely terrible, um, but your heart's right and God knows your heart and your your heart and your prayers could be shifting all of all of the mountains and all of heaven will be coming and starting to work um, in aid of your prayer, even though it may have sounded terrible to other people. Uh, and that's, like I say, it's a struggle for me still sometimes, um, but let's not use that as an excuse, especially us introverted ones. Fourthly, or fifthly, the enemy will always fight against what is powerful. The enemy will always fight. Given the opportunity toward like going to um, a prayer meeting or watching something random on Netflix, your flesh will be make it so easy to watch something and stay at home. It will be more difficult because I think like the devil understands the power of united prayer. I think the devil understands the power of group prayer far more than most of us understand the power of group prayer. So he stops us from praying together. Sixth, why the struggle? Because some people give prayer meetings a bad name. Like, just don't be weird. <laughs> like, there are some people and they're just weird. Um, and that's okay. Um, and no offense to anyone. I mean, we're all a little bit weird. But um, like, sometimes we can be more weird than we should be. Um, and, and prayer meetings really suit the extroverted people um, and people that are a little bit more flamboyant and the very tactile, experiential people that love like the flow of things. They just love that. But if you are very analytical and, and you and you love order, um, sometimes those type of prayer meetings can just be so difficult. Let's just let's not make prayer weird and let's make it accessible to all personality types. Does anyone agree with me, or is it just... Okay, that's good. Just making sure. Lastly, and I think this is the main point. Maybe we don't really understand or really even believe in the power of prayer. Maybe when it all boils down to it, that is the, the biggest reason why we struggle to pray together. Because we really don't understand the power of prayer. Maybe we don't even believe in the power of prayer. So we, we've seen that we should pray together. The early church was birthed out of a prayer meeting because the early church prayed. Something incredible happens when we pray together. Corporate prayer has always been a vehicle, revival, vehicle for revival. And we understand the struggle now. So I want to bring it back to 
I mean, that, that was all positive anyway, um, even though it can be hard hitting. Let's have a look at, again at the early church and how the early church prayed, because we know that they prayed a lot. Um, and if there was like uh, somewhere in, in the Bible that gave us an illustration of how the early church prayed that would um, go beyond sort of culture or era um, that we could learn from, um, if, if there was such a, an account in the Bible, that would be awesome. Um, it just so happens that there is in Acts chapter 4, verse 23 to 24, and I love this because it shows us how they prayed. Um, and we can use it as a, as a model or a template for us how we should pray in, in, in group prayers. So um, Acts 4, 23 to 24, this happened after Peter and John. They, they prayed for someone in Jesus' name. They were healed and they were dragged um, to, in front of the, the authorities and they were commanded not to, to pray for people and, or proclaim the name of Jesus again. And then they were let go the next day. So we're picking up the story, 20, verse 23. As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. Verse 24. When they heard the report, all the believers, like not the hardcore ones, not like the the ones that were pastors or had to be there, all the believers that were there, lifted their voices together in prayer to God. And it's something that's maybe a little bit foreign for us Western culture. We, we prefer like one person prays and we listen and then we agree and that's, that's awesome. But in so many other places in the world, they just all pray together. Like they lift all their voices at the same time together. And there is a lot of freedom and excitement and power in that. And this is what the early church did. It was one of the ways they prayed. In the ESV, um, at the end of that, it says it this way, all the believers were united in prayer. So one big takeaway we can, we can see from this straight away is unified prayer is powerful prayer. Like, unity is powerful even without God. Like, there is a, a spirit of unity and it's absolutely phenomenal. And we learn that from going right back to Genesis 11, where a rebellious people that were determined to, to, to push God out of their lives, they decided to build a temple or a tower um, to heaven. And this is what God says. Like, this is God speaking. Look, the people are united and they all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. So this is God speaking to a rebellious people. He's saying, if, if they are all working together in a spirit of unity, nothing will be impossible for them. And if that's the case without God, what about with God as we are in unity together? How much more powerful? How much more will the impossible become possible because we're doing it for the glory of God? So in unity, they were unified. Um, Let's carry on. Verse 24, when they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. This is how they prayed. O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them. So first point, unified. Second point, let's pray from heaven's perspective. Like, and I prayed this in the, in the prayer meeting this morning, and I've just been so blessed with it. In Ephesians 2, um, I can't remember which verse. It says that we are seated together in heavenly realms in, in Christ Jesus. Like we are seated 
in heavenly realms. Now, I don't understand that. Obviously, we're seated here in church this morning in a seat. But positionally in the spiritual realm, which we don't quite understand or comprehend, but it's very, very real. Like we are seated with Jesus in heavenly places. So we can pray and see life from a complete different perspective than other people who don't know Jesus because they're not seated in heavenly places with Christ. So like when you're looking at something, like depending on the viewpoint or the vantage point that you're looking at that thing, it, it can change dramatically. The, the situation or the object doesn't change, but the perspective can change everything. Like we don't have to pray from a defeatist perspective, even though we're going through many trials. Because we are seated in heavenly places, we have this incredible authority of looking at situations and praying through and in for situations from heaven's perspective, with our head and eyes held high because of what Jesus has done, and that we can come to the throne room with boldness. So with that understanding and that revelation, it will change the way we do life, and it will absolutely change the way we pray. Like I call it heads up or eyes up prayer. Instead of eyes down and like all pale and tragic and defeated. Um, and I don't know, there's a, probably a better way to, to sort of explain it than that. I just say eyes up because we don't have to, we can come to God with our head high and we are the head, we are not the tail. So eyes down prayer is a grocery list of our problems. It's like when we come, it's like, oh Lord, this, 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 this. Eyes up prayer is a celebration of our problem solver. Like we still present to the Lord, our situations and our problems, but we celebrate the Lord. We just don't grovel um, and give God a shopping list. Eyes up prayer is like a teenager who wants money, something to eat, and keys to the car. Eyes up prayer is like a child that just wants to spend time with his dad and mum and enjoy the presence of his heavenly father. Eyes down prayer is focusing on the waves and the storm. Eyes up prayer is focusing on Jesus who walks on the waves and the storm. Eyes down prayer is often grounded in fear and defeat. Eyes up prayer is grounded in faith and victory. And let's just go back a couple of years to the pandemic. Praise the Lord, that's sort of over. Hopefully it's over for good. But really how many of us got caught up in the fear of that instead of understanding that we could we could look at the situation through heaven's perspective and and have a faith-based attitude to, to it. And um, I'm not pointing the finger or bringing condemnation because I struggled with that myself. But it's like there is something, or should be something different about us as sons and daughters of the living God. As we go through situations, we can go through every situation with faith and not with fear. Eyes down prayer is praying from earth's perspective. Eyes up prayer is praying with heaven's perspective. So just carrying on, verse 25 and 28, um, the, the church is reminding God of the persecution in the city. So they're not sort of pretending that there is no struggles. Um, they're, they're being very real about the persecution in the city because it was intense. But this is how they prayed. Again, remembering heaven's perspective um, and eyes up prayer. Verse 29, And now, O Lord, hear their threats. And give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, 
Jesus. And this blows my mind because like if, if we were having a prayer meeting and there was like intense persecution in the city, we would probably be praying um, that God would remove those people and, and push them out of the city, that, that we would be rescued from the persecution. Um, these people, they understood and they were praying from heaven's perspective. They didn't actually pray that the persecution would stop, which is crazy. Like, And with that in mind, let's just read that again. This is how they prayed. It wasn't like, oh, Lord, please forgive us. We're just like, ah. Give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus, like getting God's heart and praying that. And they didn't, that's, I just find that phenomenal how they didn't pray for rescue, but they prayed for resilience and power. After this prayer meeting, or after this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. I believe a New Testament prayer meeting, because we welcome the Lord into that, that meeting, and, and we understand where two or more are gathered, He is there um, and we invite him. Um, I really do believe that there is always the presence of God and the power of God available in every prayer gathering. And when we see it here, when they pray, the prayer place, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. When we gather together in Jesus' name, when we please him with our prayers, we will experience his presence and he will empower his people. And I love that, that Every time you go to a prayer meeting and you start praying and like it was a struggle to get there, if it's a spirit-filled prayer meeting, if people are praying in unity and they're praying, praying in faith, like you always leave empowered. Like every single time you will always leave empowered and excited about God. And they say that revival begins with prayer gatherings. Maybe that's the key. Maybe God revives the hearts of those that are devoted to the prayer services because they get filled and empowered so much, they, they leave those and they start changing their world. And verse 31, after this prayer, the prayer, oh, same verse, the prayer meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they preached the word of God with boldness. So the fourth characteristic we see, changed lives and power to serve God. Like those people that were praying this, they became the answer to their prayers. They were the ones that actually, like when they were saying, Lord, please just show miracles in this place and, and give, your, give your people boldness, they were the ones that were empowered themselves. They were praying for, for the, the city, but they got filled with the Holy Spirit. They were empowered. They were the ones that, that saw this incredible thing happen. So I'm so excited about that. Unified, praying from heaven's perspective, present uh, there's presence in the power of God and change lives and power to serve God. So in conclusion, one last um, one last quote. Maybe if we could just have the keyboardist, that would be awesome. Charles Spurgeon, he was an incredible preacher um, in the 1800s, and he wrote on the power of blended prayer, and this is what he said. The prayers of a saint are sweet, but the prayers of saints are sweeter. Unified prayers possess the power of harmony. If you put all of these prayers together, the prayers of the tender and the brave, the prayers of the awestruck and the familiar, the prayers of the persistent and the self-sacrificing, 
They fill the golden bowl of incense full of sweet odors. Let us blend our prayers and the golden censer of God's church full of the prayers of the saints shall then become a weapon to prevail with men. God will fill it full of coals and pour it out upon the earth. His divine power shall then be seen. Pray. You have the key in the door of heaven. Keep it there and turn it until the gate shall open. Pray. For prayer holds the chain that binds the old dragon. Prayer can hold fast and restrain Satan himself. God girds you with power if you pray. I started the the prayer series with this quote, and I'll finish it. Billy Graham, you get a nation back on its feet. To get a nation back on its feet, you first have to get them back on their knees. To get a nation back on its feet, you first have to get them back on their knees. So so where to from here? Uh, As a church, there are several uh, services or gatherings that we can pray together. Um, on a Wednesday night, it's called Prayer Connect. Julian and an incredible team of intercessors um, pray, and that's for an hour, 6 p.m., up in the upper room, so just in the pastoral offices. Everyone is welcome to attend those. Wednesday night, 6 o'clock to 7. On a Sunday morning from 8.30 to 9, um, out, out in the foyer, um, there is a prayer gathering happening. Please, if you can make it, come along to that. They are so awesome. And honestly, I'm one of the youngest there, and I'm nearly 50. Like, I'm pretty sure the youngest is, like, we're in our 40s. Like, what about the the people in their 30s and their 20s and the teenagers? Like, for the young people, the Bible says that you need to set the example. And and I challenge you, um, and I don't have any scripture verse to back this up. Hopefully you can find one there somewhere. I really do believe that the fervent prayers of young people are powerful. Actually, I know that's true because it actually says that for everyone. So absolutely included. Young people, please, young people, take up the charge because as the older people are promoted to glory, who is going to continue the the, the charge with, with corporate prayer? So please come along. So that's 8.30 to 9. And honestly, a new thing we've started, and I'm loving it from 9 o'clock to about 9.15. We're just gathering up the front here on a Sunday, and, and we're just trying a whole lot of different ways of praying. We're praying for the service. We're praying for each other. We're praying for the service teams. We're praying for God to move. And that is such an incredible vibe. Each each week it's really different. But that's cool because you can come here at nine o'clock and pray for a little while. Um, and it's not embarrassing. And, and you can you don't have to pray if you don't want to. You can just come along. Um, but then like you can have a coffee and you can meet new people. It's a real awesome vibe. And it's only 30 minutes early. Like We can all do that. Um, there's the the monthly prayer services in the city, and we're hosting that tonight. So this is so awesome. And instead of like getting you guys to stand up and respond this morning, I'm giving us all a challenge that hopefully we can all do this. We can turn up at 6.30 p.m. tonight for the citywide prayer meeting, and we can pray for an hour and a half. If this message has moved us in any way, I encourage you and, and really urge you. Let's just come along. Let's just say, okay, God, I, I heard this word this morning and like I, I take it on board. I, I want to pray more with other people and I'm going to commit um, and be devoted to that prayer meeting tonight, 6.30 p.m. To say, I was a bit cheeky last week. I said, everyone put their hands up. I see all those hands. I'm not going to coerce anyone. <laughs> that was a little bit cheeky of me doing that last week. Um, but my heart is that we understand the power of prayer. We pray more together 
um, and we and and we we would just go for it. And one last thing again, because I know that praying out loud can be a huge fear. Like there is nothing wrong with you just coming along and sitting and and not not praying out loud, but just agreeing with those that are praying. Um, and, and just do that to begin with, because you agreeing um, with someone else's prayer. It sets in motion this whole unity thing, and there is so much power when you just listen to the prayer and you agree with the prayer. And then before long, the Holy Spirit will move in your heart, and, and it'll just be awesome if you, if you feel to pray. So again, please don't let introversion or shyness be the hindrance for, for God doing some incredible things through your prayers. Let's all be upstanding. Thanks so much for listening. We hope it was an encouragement to you. To contact us or to find out what's happening at our church, please check out our website, renewchurch.nz.